It's not unusual to find plenty of wine caves and wine cellars in wine country. What is unusual is discovering a sophisticated broadcast facility inside these well-protected and often top-secret chambers. But maybe it really isn't that surprising that America's number one wine broadcast originates from the soul of wine country. And it is our great privilege to do all we can to inspire you. If you drink wine simply because, well, it's a drink, we've got our work cut out. For literally thousands of years, wine has fueled celebrations, ended conflicts, and provided the ultimate connection between one human being and another. It makes food taste better, lifts spirits, sparks our imagination, and beckons us to slow down and love life. If that all sounds good to you, you're in the right place. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. Happy 4th of July weekend, 2020. Today's show is brought to you by Total Wine & More, where you'll find the most stunning selection of wine, beer, and spirits imaginable, all under one roof. And for a touchless buying experience, if you prefer, order online and take advantage of curbside pickup at your local Total Wine & More store. Okay, so there's no getting around the fact that this is not going to be like any Independence Day we've ever celebrated, but I'm confident that we'll make the most of it all the same. For today's show, I want to revisit two fairly recent interviews that I'm particularly fond of, and I definitely wanted to make sure that you get a chance to listen in if you weren't able to when they originally aired. The first is an interview that took place literally a couple of weeks before COVID-19 changed everything about how we live our lives. Back in February, I had the honor of sitting down in Napa with someone who is arguably the most respected expert in the wine world, Jancis Robinson. Little did I know that this would be one of my very last in-person interviews for a very long time, but it certainly is a doozy. We'll spend plenty of quality time with this legendary wine critic and author, before we connect with our second amazing guest. He's a world-renowned celebrity chef who is determined to make the most out of the COVID crisis. He's Rick Moonen, and I think this conversation will put him on your top five celebrity chefs list if he isn't already. That in just a moment. But first, let's dive into my conversation with a wine expert who is truly larger than life, Jancis Robinson. If you ask anyone in the wine world who the most influential wine critic or wine educator in the world is, there would be no deliberation. My guest today is that person. She is renowned the world over as the consummate expert on wine and arguably the most heralded author of books that can be found on the shelves of wine experts and enthusiasts far and wide. She is the legendary Jancis Robinson author of the Oxford Companion to Wine, The World Atlas of Wine, and The 24-Hour Wine Expert, among many other publications. So I'm deeply honored to welcome Jancis Robinson to Grape Encounters Radio. I just got a chance to enjoy a really informative session on trade that Jancis was part of. First of all, thank you for being here. Well, it's a, always a pleasure to come to California, especially when the weather is as good as it is, spring sunshine. So, first of all, I, I want to talk about the continuum of wine drinkers that starts with the everyday average wine drinker who sees wine as a, let's call it a beverage. Mm. And at the other end of the continuum are the folks that are drinking wines that most of us 
we'll never get to taste unless maybe we're in the business or we're filthy rich. Mm. And then everything in between. But for me, at least in talking to you know the average American, the largest group is on that bottom end of the spectrum, yet it seems like there's a terrible disconnect between the manufacturers and producers of wine and everybody else that, in a sense, I think keeps people down there. I think that's right. And for some reason, I think us communicators are at fault sometimes because we complicate it and we make it a little bit too elitist sometimes. I'm often asked by people who enjoy drinking wine but don't know anything about it, and they say, I I really like wine and I, I, I want to move up just one step what shall I do? And of course, what I should say is read my books, um, <laughs> right, yeah. visit chancesrobinson.com and all that kind of thing. But actually, what I genuinely say every time is form a relationship with a local wine retailer, right. preferably an independent one who can give you really sound advice. And what you tell them is the sort of wine you have so far liked. And it's in their interests to introduce you to something that's a little bit more interesting. But to just help you move along a bit. I see lots of parallels between wine stores and bookstores. You know, you might go into a nice independent bookstore and say, I really like this author. What can you recommend that I'm likely to like? And the person behind the counter in the wine store should be able to do that too. So I read that very comment in one of your pieces. And I thought, I'm so boring. No, I thought, no, I thought that was genius. I mean, absolute genius. Because I tried after I read that to find another example of where we do that. That's the best one I think anybody's ever come up with. It's genius. <laughs> well, it's in the interests of the retailer to help you and not to con you because they can get you hooked. You know, if, if you trust their judgment, you'll come back and you'll buy more. So there's this enormous amount of wine in bottles and also sitting in tanks that's going to be sold at prices south of $10. And we do have, have a glut right now mm. of juice. But that is really the bulk of what people are drinking. The wines above, let's say, $20 and going all the way to, say, 40 For me, that's the sweet spot somewhere in the there. The best value is there, isn't right. it? Right. And I've always said there is... In wine, there is absolutely no correlation between price and quality. You know, I'm sure you know a whole load of overpriced, expensive wines. Uh, Okay, so that's something I wanted to talk to you about, because I sensed that maybe that might be changing for one reason, that there's so much more communication going on about wine, especially with the internet. Everybody's now a wine critic, and people are just... their apps. Right, exactly, and they're talking about the wine more. So wouldn't it be likely that if a wine is overpriced, that that's going to be contained in those comments? I think the great majority of, people, of users of social media probably aren't drinking the really, really expensive things. But maybe the slightly overpriced in the mid-range, yeah, they might come in for um, a bit of flack. But there are a lot of drinkers who don't believe me that, that there is, isn't a relation between price and quality. And sometimes if people have paid 60 or $80 for a bottle, they're jolly well going to like it because they've forked out that money. It isn't, isn't that sad? Yes. That, that's really sad <laughs> to me. So going back to my continuum, okay? Yes. One of the things that I notice about wine drinkers is, first of all, the lion's share of people who drink wine but are not in the industry like us or are not wine geeks, I think they feel lost and they feel out of place. Mm. They feel inadequate. And it's sad to me because 
I can get in my Prius and I have no idea. I haven't even lifted the hood. Mm. I have no idea. There could be squirrels under there, mm. right? <laughs> and I don't feel a need to dissect my car. Mm. But in wine, a lot of people, I think, are made to feel that if they don't take knowledge to that level, they're inadequate and get out of here and stick with your $5 bottle. Did you see that New Yorker cartoon? It's quite an old one of somebody sitting at the dinner table after all the guests have left and looking at the empty bottles and saying, OK, they drank it, but did they get it? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know what you mean. And I, one thing I think is an enemy of making people, people feel relaxed about wine, is putting too much emphasis on food and wine matching. Yes. You know, wine is complicated enough as it is without bringing in this whole other layer of, well, you may, that may be a nice wine, but you're drinking it with the wrong food. If you get it down your gullet, it's not wrong, you know, and there is no thunderbolt from on high that is going to come and strike you down if by any chance you're drinking a combination that someone somewhere doesn't approve of. And I also think food has changed so mm. much. Mm. It used to be that, you know, when you ate a piece of chicken or you ate a piece of fish, you knew what you were eating, but we've put so much emphasis on the sauces and the preparation and We've got all these incredible chefs out there that and are the doing spices. amazing yeah. things that, you know, it seems that we absolutely have to disregard the protein that's under all of that yeah. flavor. Yeah, absolutely. I also think that if you do drink wine regularly, and of course you eat regularly, we probably have a little computer in our brains that we're unaware of that guides us, you know, that if we feel like eating this, we'll automatically be drawn towards drinking that on the basis of our past experience that we're sort of building up some lost memory of what worked and in america something that i think is it's interesting americans go to a nice restaurant and the first thing that happens is the wine list is dropped on the table and the wine order is taken even before sometimes yeah. the menu's been placed on yeah, the table. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? So the wine is really driving the meal, or is it? I don't even know if the typical consumer is saying, I just ordered a bottle of you know this or that, now I need to find something to match it. It does what seem do you, odd. I, I think in Europe it's generally they take the food order first. They're all, yeah, it's, 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 it's all going to make it. Okay, we're going to come back in just a second. I want to actually scold you for keeping me up late last night. And I'll, I'll explain that in just a second. My guest is Jancis Robinson. What a, an absolute thrill, pleasure, and privilege to have you here. Thank you very much. And, okay, we're going to be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Welcome back to Grape Encounters Radio, broadcasting from our Central Coast Wine Country studio in idyllic Atascadero, California. Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine & More, America's largest independent retailer of fine wine. They carry more than 8,000 different wines from every wine-producing region in the world and offer an equally monumental selection of beer and spirits. Here's David. We are doing a little rewind on this Independence Day weekend edition of Grape Encounters Radio, brought to you by Total Wine & More. I'm truly delighted to revisit this February interview with legendary wine critic and author Jancis Robinson, which will be followed by some delightful quality time with the very colorful celebrity chef who we caught up with at the beginning of April. 
I've got plenty to share, so let's dive back in. Back with Grip Encounters Radio and didn't get a lot of sleep last night, gang, because I got into my hotel room in Napa. And sitting on the counter is a book that I have wanted to see for a long time. Ta-da! There it is right here. It's a book by Jancis Robinson. It's the 24-hour wine expert. And I got in after 11 o'clock last night, and I started reading this. This is... You had 24 hours to read it. In. No, no, because I was doing this interview, and I thought, I read this cover to cover last Gosh. night. Well, Bef- that shows you can absorb it in less than 24 hours. Yeah, then. and I learned a lot. <laughs> Just the essentials of wine. Nothing extraneous, just kind of what you need to know. I honestly think that anybody that feels like they're just lost in the wine world could read this book (laughs) and say, thank goodness for that. Thank you. Well, shall I tell you how it came about? Yes. Not uh, as you intimated, you know, it wasn't obvious I would write something as relatively straightforward and for, as that. But our younger daughter was between jobs and she decided she wanted to write a guide to wine for her friends. She was 24 at the time. Really? And she did it in a very sensible way of calling focus group for all her friends, obviously giving them a bit of wine and asking them all what did they want and need to know. So she did all the research, and then she got offered a job on Vogue, and that was too good to turn down. But I'm from the north of England, where uh, we don't waste anything. And Really? Yeah. So I thought, well, I'm not going to waste all her research. I'll turn it into a book myself. And so that's you, why you, it's... You took her body con- of work and then yeah. and moved it forward. Yeah, How and much then I, I wrote it, and then put the text in front of her, and occasionally she said, oh, mum, you can't put it that, you know, you can't say that, you can't use that word. Obviously, I was... <laughs> So it's it's slightly a joint production between her and me, and that's why it's dedicated to Rose. She was your millennial consultant. Yes. Okay. (laughs) One of the things that I didn't expect, and there's so many things like this Mm -hmm. that I didn't expect from you, but your comments on screw caps. Oh, right. Right. In fact, I didn't tell you this, but I also have a wine bar. Mm. So I've been working for years on a sexy way to open a screw cap, which I have done. (laughs) Oh, good. But there are all of these wine rituals that are disappearing, and screw caps have replaced uh, corks in so many wines, but also the alternative packaging and things that Mm. we resist, those of us who are into the romantic aspect of wine. But a lot of them are very sensible. Yeah, they are, but how do we get over that? You mean... How do we convince people that it's okay to drink how, wine how do from I a can? I get over it because oh, I, I cringe a little bit. I, yeah. It's like I don't want to like a wine that's in a cardboard box. But if you look at the figures and the planet and the carbon emissions, there are all sorts of very good reasons for moving away from glass bottles. I agree with that. Mm. That was another thing that mm. I found absolutely, I guess I could say, I thought it was unlikely for you to make the comments that you did about glass bottles mm. because I know for mm. myself that when I pick up a heavy bottle i'm hoping this is going to be good but it's all it's mostly marketing it's mostly smoke and mirrors i mean there's no reason why wine in a heavy bottle should be better i know people ask us in the industry the most common question is what's your favorite wine <laughs> i cringe yeah, when i get that impossible. question it's you know it's what day answer. is it what time is it or mm. whatever but it appears that you have a strong affinity for bubbles 
Oh, that's interesting. I do like bold, but I just like the lot, frankly. <laughs> you like it all. I like it all. I certainly like whites as much as reds, and I'm, I slightly regret that somehow about 80% of the wine that I taste professionally seems to be red, but probably only 50% of the wine I drink is red. And that's so interesting because, first of all, whites are always less expensive for the most yeah, part. Yeah, poor than little reds, white. And it's not really fair it's to them. It's very unfair. And, and some white wines can last every bit as long as red wines. Are white wines more forgiving? I find them easier to taste, personally. Less, I suppose they haven't got, generally haven't got as much acid and alcohol and tannin. So if I have a choice, I'll taste the red, professionally, I'll taste the red wines first. And then the white wines. Interesting. Because I find it easier to make my perceptions of of white wines and they rinse the red off your teeth. What are some of the places that you would point people to where they can sidestep the overpriced wines? Um, I've got a Mendocino thing going at the moment. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff coming out of Mendocino because it's got some very high, cool areas. Besides Pinot? Yeah, yeah, some lovely old vines there, you know, old Zins and so on. But generally, outside in the world, I think Greece and Portugal are fantastic sources of really, really good wine that's not silly prices. How come we don't see wines from some of the great producing Eastern European regions? I think regions? you will. I think you will. A lot of, after communism fell, a lot of the vineyards fell into disarray and there were lots of ownership squabbles and all that kind of thing. But in this century, there's a lot of money has been invested, not least from the EU. And I think we're just gonna, starting to see the results of that. Because um, I, I want to taste some Moldovan wines. I yeah. want to taste some Georgian wines. They're impossible to get just about, but yet, they? yet they make so much wine. Yeah. No, Georgia, we see quite a bit of in the UK. Okay. So last question. What's the one thing that we most need to fix in the wine industry? What are we really screwing up that needs to change? Um, I think more I'm, I'm interested in the way the industry interacts with the consumer. Yeah, what are we, what are we needs, getting wrong? It needs uh, to get a bit zappier on social media and all the kind of you know more recent ways of communicating with the consumer. It's not just about websites and bottles. Do we, need, do we need to come up with a better language to speak to people? Possibly. The term came up this morning, sustainability. Yeah. I personally hate it because <laughs> I don't think it really reflects mm-hmm. what it means. And you were talking about organic and natural and mm-hmm. how much more that resonates with consumers. Is that kind of a general problem that we're using the wrong language in many probably cases? Probably is, yes. And I think probably every wine producer needs to employ someone who hardly drinks wine at all and is completely new to it and puts everything through that filter. Interesting. (laughs) Jancis, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're you're super busy today. The one book that I for sure am going to ask my listeners to get, which I'm sure is available on Amazon and all the usual places, and I'm not getting a commission on this, right? No, no, you're not. Well, how come? (laughs) But no, I, I really think let's start them with this book and they can work their way up to the other books. But I think if you just take an afternoon or an evening to read the 24-hour wine expert, I think you're going to breathe a sigh of relief. (laughs) And I also think it's a book you'll probably have to read three times because you're going to need to memorize certain things. And you've done this. It's very practical, isn't it? And you've done it in small chunks, so it's really super easy. But if you committed everything in here to memory, I'm going to tell you, being around consumers of all kinds, you're going to know more than 90% of the consumers. I think that's true. And also, if you do get just slightly more interested, you could go to jancisrobinson.com and there's a wealth 
of free background information under our learn section. Free. Free. And you write a new blog every day, is that correct? We publish two new articles every day on JancisRobinson.com. Oh, We're that's mad. awesome. We're completely mad. I'll tell you. <laughs> Chances, thank you so much. Thanks, what what a pleasure to have you. Gosh, I'm, I can check one thing off my bucket list. <laughs> we're going to be back with more Grape Encounters in just a second. I don't know how we're going to top that, though. <laughs> This week, we're revisiting some of my very favorite moments from this year's Grape Encounters. I can't imagine a more colorful guest than Rick Moonen. You know him from a very long list of TV appearances and feature articles in leading publications. But what's it like being a high-profile guy like Rick hunkered down in his Las Vegas retreat? Well, let's give a listen. I have to admit it, I have been spending more time on social media than I, than I really should be spending. But honestly, some of you folks out there are posting the most amazing things. And it's just so cool to see how creatively people are taking on this horrible, horrible experience, worse than anything probably we've ever had in our lifetime to deal with. Well, there's one guy that I know him just because... Well, we've never met, but I know him because of his work. And I, I finally got to actually speak to him a couple of days ago. And I just, you know what? I fell in love with him in a in a brotherly sort of way because he's just the epitome of what I think people should be doing in this crisis. He's just a superstar chef. And we'll talk a bit about his resume in a second, but it's Rick Moonen and he's on with me now. Rick. David, gosh, how are you? I'm great. And I'm so, so excited to have you on. I mean, I just, I know your work. I've seen you on the tube. A lot of TV stuff, right? I do. I do everything. I mean, I'm just, um, uh, you know, I like um, communicating with people, especially, especially now, you know, I mean, uh, what else do you really have to do other than connect, learn, meet your neighbors, um, give what you can. You know, I, I have a skill set. I'm a chef. You know, it's what I do for a living. And up till a few weeks ago, I held the position of master development chef for a company based out of Houston, Texas. They have several steakhouses and we created a new concept. Their name is Perry's. Perry Steakhouse and yeah, Grill. Yeah, no. You see a lot of them in Texas and around the United States. And um, Master Development Chef, what is that? That's a fancy title. I would, um, out of my home, kitchen and backyard, uh, you know, I have a pizza oven, et cetera, would develop recipes that would change on all systemically throughout the Perry's um, uh, restaurant um, group. So anyway, what that means also is that when I'm developing a recipe in my home, I'm developing a recipe that translates directly to large volume restaurants. So I'm making mass massive amounts of things. When right. I'm making onion soup, I'm making onion soup that can serve, you know, 30, 50 portions of it. So I've got all sorts of things that are embedded in my refrigerator and freezer that I'm giving away to people because I just can't even store it anymore. And I'm meeting so many super cool people in the process, doing what I do, what I love. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I almost feel guilty about how excited and happy I am right now during a horrible time for many, many people. And my heart goes out to them, but I'm doing 
doing everything that I can to make myself feel great and realizing, David, I'm sorry that I'm going on a ramble here. <laughs> it's okay. I'm also realizing that you can have a break for a few minutes. I'll just talk. But I'm, I'm realizing <laughs> that, you know, we're going backwards into the time frame of almost like things that I was, it, it, it was just a, a wish in my mind. Wow. How cool would it be if we all talked to each other again and didn't look down at the we're, screen? We're, be, we're being, telephone. we're being forced to get real. And I yeah. think that's, it's, it's an amazing thing. I, I know you didn't hear the guest before you, Keith Sarlos, but you know he was making the very same statement. And what you said about almost feeling guilty about getting some pleasure out of this, I was explaining to Keith that I feel the same way. Like I, there are so many things that I'm doing now that make me feel joyful, despite the fact that it's just me and Henry. Henry's my little uh, multi-poo. And yeah. it's just us, you know, but we're lost. <laughs> Locked in a wine bar with more wine than you could possibly imagine. And I get a chance to do a lot of things to connect with people in ways that I've wanted to for a long time. And, you know, but the busyness of everything else that I do made it impossible. And let's talk about busy for a second. I mean, you have done so much TV, uh, Beat Bobby Flay, the, the Today Show, Good Morning America. What am I missing? Uh, uh, Top Chef Masters, Top Chef. Yeah, exactly. Those, yes. The whole Bravo thing. You, you, you yeah. know, you've won. Won a James Beard Award, which is like the most incredible thing that you can win if you're in food and wine. <laughs> and oh my gosh, it, it goes on and on. You've, you've been in so many publications. It doesn't um, mean anything if you don't do something with it, David. Yeah, that's great. I got an impressive resume because I have this um, unquenchable thirst for knowledge and involvement. I love what I do. I love how it allows me to connect to people. Yeah, I, I love to learn cultures and, and you don't learn culture without without connecting with people. And so that is, that is my, um, every day I wake up, it's, I, I want to meet new people. I want to, I want to know new things. I want to learn by, by arguing with people sometimes to say, you know, I'm going to take a counter perspective on that, David, just to, to hear your side a little bit deeper. I want to feel your passion. I want to, you know, and, and we're getting a chance to do that so much more now because we have the time, you know, people are panicking because they got so much time. They don't know what to do. They're bored. Slow down, stop, look around you, realize what's happening right now. You have the time. Here I am. I'm a dude. I was telling this to my wife the other day. I'm so I'm getting out of the shower and I'm like, I'm going to put coconut oil on, you know, I'm all <laughs> okay. over because I, I don't do it. I live in the desert and I, I turn into a, like a Gila monster, you know, and I just deal with it. Well, that's what a chef looks like. You know, that's my excuse in my brain. Too busy. Got to do. Wait a minute. I'm going to pamper and I'm going to like feel, see what it feels like to Go really have the time <laughs> to, you know, to do your things. And, and I have to, and now God forbid, Ooh, I have to do my own landscaping. I am getting so intensely connected with my environment, my house, my backyard. You got to understand, I, I have a lot of things that grow. If I have, I'm of the mentality of I'm going to have an irrigation system in the desert that I'm going to make food. And now food is taking over my yard because the guys that I normally hire to maintain my property when I'm traveling a maniac and doing all these things, they'll, they're not they're not working. And now the biodiversity in my backyard, meaning that everything is overgrowing, all of the volunteer seeds in my compost are sprouting. I've got like cabayon lemon coming out of my grapevine pot. You know, silly, silly things that you never would expect because no chemicals are being used. And awesome. It makes me realize awesome. that the biggest winner, the biggest winner out of all of this insanity is going to be our environment. And I'm an environmentalist, so I'm just dancing. Yeah, and and let, let me jump in for a second because people call you the godfather of sustainability. And we're referring to seafood, mm -hmm. I think, more than anything. Talk about that because you okay. are 
legendary in that world. And I know you don't like uh, you're a humble guy, but just talk about the work that you've been doing because it's really awesome. Um, that's that's twenty five years plus, David. So we go way back, and we're going to need uh, two hours. Well, of just, you got you got thirty cool. seconds, so go ahead. <laughs> right, thirty thirty seconds time. I'm I'm of the mentality that we are oceans uh, being held together by our skin. Our bodies have the same percentage of water within them as the percentage of water on our planet. Coincidental? Maybe. Wait, but there's more. Taste your tears. Taste your sweat. It's salt water. Ooh, that's really, it's getting creepier now, right? Yes, but it is. One more. What, where's this going? Our, our emotions, it's our connection to our world. And the world is mostly ocean. We're on planet ocean, not planet earth. I know you can't grow vines and make wine. I know your thing. I'm talking about me and the, the, the you know sustainable uh, mentality that I've embraced is everything comes from the ocean. Everything comes from the sun in the ocean. And that's why I've embraced and tried to protect our ecosystem so that we have continual supply of the amazing foods that I feel privileged to put my hands on as a chef. And and all you have to do is put your toys away at the end of the night. But now we have to, we, we're, leaving the, we're leaving our environment alone. We have to. Farmers aren't farming as much, unfortunately, but that's going to mean they're going to be using, they're going to stop using Roundup and all the chemicals that have to be used yeah, in order to. Exactly. Um, and so everything is going to reinvent itself. But that happening, biodiversity is going to happen, which is what's happening in my backyard. I've got a field of arugula flowering in my backyard. I've got a swarm of bees on them, so I don't do, I don't dare cut down the flowers. I just let it roll. And I've got a, I got cilantro. I've got Swiss chard. I've got kale. I've got, I mean, besides the normal rosemary and, and all the herbs and everything, and I've got fruit trees, etc. My backyard's a jungle, and I couldn't be happier because I know what's going on in the earth right now. Down below, there's a war going on. There's, a, you know, bacteria starting to, to develop more richly, and, and everything else that's coming in and in, in being involved in it. I'm just watching that, and this all comes from me not having a you know, landscaper in my pocket, and, 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 and so it goes it, deep. I'm sorry. It, no, no, no. It's that is it is really insightful, and one of the things that I've been watching and I feel so so excited about is the fact that you know during this you know terrible tragedy, we're seeing things like the the waters in Venice clearing up, and you all know, in the canals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And people are really focusing on the environment. And I got to tell you something. I am angry, angry, angry about people in leadership positions who are not paying attention to the environment, who don't believe in climate change, all of these things. It is There is so much science. It's not voodoo. It's not people making up garbage. It's the real deal. And the environment, animals, plants, suffering right now. We've got coral fields that are disintegrating under the water and it's shameful to not pay attention so i think that this is a a side benefit of this crisis you know sometimes good things come out of bad situations agreed we're going to take a little break well yeah there's always a tipping point isn't there all right hey listen we are so glad to have on uh, rick moon and he is just a master chef but what i really want to talk to you about is what you and your wife are doing every day all right we'll be back with Chef Rick Moonen in just a second. Stay with me. It's Grape Encounters Radio coming to you from the bunker. Trying to love life and share the love with you. All 
it's so big deal you're stuck in your house. I'm stuck in my wine cellar, which isn't bad. Got my little multi-poo, Henry. 18 pounds of pure love. I also get to talk to really awesome people by means of systems like Zoom, and I'm looking face-to-face at one of the great chefs in America, Rick Moonen, and he and his wife are doing something that I just thought was amazing, hysterical, so much fun. Rick, talk yes, about David. it. Yes, David. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What are you guys doing? Well, because I'm cooking all the time and people are forced to do it. I mean, there's a lot of people that would work all the time and either they daily went out to eat or something was delivered, you know, so they right. don't really have a clue on what to do with what they have accessible to them right now, whether it's embedded in their pantry and the refrigerators right now, or it's something that they can have delivered by local services. Okay. Changes throughout the United States. So my wife and I were asked, um, no, she was actually reading the new morning paper and she saw that I'm, I live in Las Vegas. Let's start there. And there's a lot of entertainers here and are well-recognized people. And my wife was reading in the paper that they were doing uh, this new broadcast of, uh, you know, like a singer will sing. Or my friend Frankie Marina will play the piano and entertain. And so I said, hey, I'd like to throw my name in the hat. You know, and they said, okay, what do you got in mind? And I said, my wife been working on this concept of quarantine cuisine. Quarantine cuisine. <laughs> yeah, where you go into your pandemic pantry, pull out whatever you Pand- have. Oh, no, pandemic pantry. I didn't hear that part. That's great. Oh, yeah, of course. It's all it's all part of the storyline. And then, you you know, it's almost like because we were addicted to Chopped for so long. So it's kind of like, all right, honey, bam, what are you, you going to make out of that? By the way, Ted's been on this show, Ted Allen. Oh, he has. What yeah, yeah. We had a gr- great, great conversation. Oh, anyway. He's a good, 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 good. He's, he's good at what he does. Good. I didn't mean to interrupt. So <laughs> the pandemic pantry. Do you guys get dressed up for this? Oh, well, of course we do. My wife is she's got me doing all kinds of stuff, man. That okay, so we did a show where and it ended up being a paella. And I'm gonna tell you something. The paella came out better than any authentic paella because we had to use we used canned sardines, canned tuna, you know. I mean it was peas out of a can and it had oh, we opened it up and it had mushrooms and, and onions in it too. We threw them in. I, I, off the charts. We didn't have chicken stock, so I crumbled up a bouillon cube and the rice was pre cooked and it was it was it came together so quickly. We did it live and, and it just broadcast through the Greenspun Media Group. If you, if you look up on YouTube and Greenspun Media Group and my name, you'll get to see it. We will take the link and we'll put it on grapeencounters.com too, so people awesome. can watch it. By the way, the videos that I watched that you have produced are so good. Yeah. Just great. I mean, you oh, are. And also, you also should be on television, of, actually. Well, yeah. <laughs> I got a face for radio, obviously. So that's all right. <laughs> that's what they say, right? Uh, we did. I'm, I'm also a chef advocate for Feasted Forward, which is a, a out of California, out of uh, Napa Valley. Right now it's shut down like everything else. But I did a, a series of uh, cooking tips and, and they're called um, uh, Recipe Reveal on YouTube. You should check those out. I mean it. Those, those are, that's some of my best work. Recipe Reveal. Recipe reveal revealed. I think with the revealed. ED. Okay, but feast it forward is all you really need. All right. So what, what we're going to do is when we're offline, we're going to make a list of some of the best stuff that you have. I'll put okay. all those links on grapeencounters.com. So gang, look for it after Sunday. It'll probably be Monday or Tuesday of next week, but it'll be there. Believe me, you're going to fall in love with this guy. Although I'm going to rat you out right now, Chef. All right, go rat me out. You're holding back. If 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 I could let you speak with the passion that. <laughs> you 
you really have the kind of language that's used in a busy kitchen. Yeah, there would be beeps all over the place. Yeah, man, Moon and Unleashed. It's uh, it's not for it's not for prime time. Chefs are a, a passionate lot. I mean, if you're a, if you're a great chef, chances are you peak out way higher than most people. No, chefs are funny. You know, this is the part that you don't think about, David. The chefs are insecure. Really, they are. Why? Yeah, and they're only comfortable in their little domain, their kitchen, because they built that around you, and that became your single subject focus for for me 63 years of my life you know the day i was born i was eating i mean i wasn't always but we need reinforcement every single day that's why we go out in the dining room and say how's it going how do you like it and they're like well oh, it's so great it's so lovely You're like okay and that gets you through tonight and then tomorrow you don't believe it and you start all over again and wonder how you can do it better that's what a real chef is and real chef does all right so all right, I like got, I got, comedians you it, know they're insecure as well how do yeah I do but it? you're you're you are a comedian and i got i got and i gotta <laughs> tell you something you inspired me we were talking yesterday just having a casual conversation you inspired me i woke up at three o'clock in the morning this morning mm-hmm. and i said i gotta write some jokes for the chef oh boy are you ready <laughs> are you ready i don't know what uh, do i have to do to be this, ready yes this, of course this is, I'm the, ready. this is the premiere okay chef what's the difference between hand sanitizer and cheap wine uh well, hand sanitizer and cheap wine they both go on different parts of your body i don't know what no hand sanitizer tastes better but <laughs> i'm bummed all right this is a good one for you okay yeah. And these are all wine oriented because we are a wine show. Although I did, Understood. I do, have, I, I have another one for you. When shelter in place is over, why will diners be less resistant to buy expensive bottles on the wine list? Because, because you bought them all. No, because they'll be used to paying through the nose for stuff they really don't need. <laughs> yeah, it's the gougers. Okay, how come people who refuse to drink crummy wine mm-hmm. aren't hoarders? Because who the hell wants to have crummy? your wine around your house now the answer is because smart people don't hoard uh. <laughs> here's one for you because you're into the fish thing how come fishermen aren't going out during this crisis how come fishermen aren't going out there in this crisis because the supply and demand curve has been drastically changed no because they heard that there's no school anywhere oh oh <laughs> no wait please give me a second here i have to recover from that one Oh, I know. That was a reach. You know what? We're going to end it as far as the jokes are concerned. But those were for you. I wrote those for you. That's you, so sweet. You, you have, got up at 3 o'clock in the morning for that, Jim. You were, and I got zero answers correct. Well, you could stop doing that. I know. You were looking for serious answers. All right. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. We are going to connect you with Chef Moonen. He's done an amazing amount of stuff. You got to get on my Facebook page. My, my wife and I are taking themes every night. And uh, we're getting dressed up in that theme and at 6.30 because the sun sets at 7. We stop at four o'clock, we take showers, make dinner. One night it was Irish stew. So we started, we drank Guinness. I had Connemara, which is a, a smoked Irish whiskey on the rocks. Ooh. I had my kilt on. My no, hat. come she on. Dr- oh, yeah, no, no, no. Sir, you, look you, on, you look on my Facebook page. We've got oh, one was no. a Miami theme, and I got pink shorts on, and my <laughs> built more over jacket, and, and we're drinking because uh, we got so much mint growing in our backyard. We had to make mojitos. Oh, of Go drink the mojitos. So it's a Western theme tonight. So y'all, yeehaw, kicking back. And of course, Alexa's always in the background playing the appropriate music. 
my neighbors are starting to come out now and everybody wants to be a part of this party. It's insane. And then we've got people that want to do it virtually who aren't in our neighborhood. So that's a whole nother thing. Chef Rick Moon and Google him, go friend him on Facebook or follow him or whatever. I don't know what kind of a Facebook page you got, but go over there, get involved. I've talked to so many people who are depressed and they're pacing the floors. It's people like Chef Moon and that find fun in adversity. And I salute you for that, man. I think you're an amazing guy to bring in a lot of happiness to people in a really sad time. Love you for that, man. Just so you know, it's Chef Rick Moonen if you want to follow me on Facebook. All right, that's going to do it for Grape Encounters today. I had a ball. Glad you all tune in. Follow us on Facebook as well. Just go to Grape Encounters, look for that, and we'll be back here next week with much, much more. And that's the least we can do for you. 